Well, good morning, Community Church. Can we say something today? Jesus is Lord. Amen? Let's say that together. Jesus is Lord. This is the most important thing we need to catch today. That Jesus is Lord. Let's say that one more time. Jesus is Lord. Let's give him a clap offering. Man. I see a lot of visitors today. We want to welcome you to Spruce Grove Community Church. We're excited that every single one of you are here. And our prayer today is that God would touch all of you right where you're at. And I've got good news for you. Jesus is the light of the world. Which means this. He enlightens every situation, every issue, every problem, everything right now that you're sitting there wondering, can he do something about this? Yes, he can. He asks us to do one thing. He says, will you draw close to me? And he makes us a promise that if we draw close to him this morning, his promise is he will draw close to us. Amen? So this morning, regardless of circumstances, regardless of how long it took us to get to church, arguments, all that stuff, our prayer right now is, Father, that you would remove all the stuff. Remove all the stuff, God. And right now we pray in the name of Jesus Christ that as we draw closer to you, that you will draw close to us, that you will touch every single person in this place today. We know you will. We believe it in the name of Jesus Christ. Can we say amen? amen. So let's worship him this morning. I'm, uh, I've got Romans 8 in my heart this morning. And what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? For no one, no one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I'm convinced that nothing, I'm going to read that again. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation, will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
I think that deserves another shout. It's awesome once we, we catch who we are, how we know when our identity, who our identity is in, it changes things. When we realize the truth of God came to earth in Jesus for us so that we could spend eternity with him, when we truly catch that, it changes things. Wherever all of us are at this morning, whatever you're focused on, whatever's going on in life, when we hold on to that truth, things change. Now, a couple of little side notes. Uh, I had the honor of celebrating my son's 19th birthday yesterday, which is absolutely crazy. It reminds me how old I am now. I keep thinking I'm still in my 20s. Then I realize I'm not even in my 30s anymore. And I think this is just wrong. Almost 20. My son is almost, it's going to come really quick, you guys. No, it's not. They're shaking their heads. No, no. Yeah, sorry. And another side note, you know, Canada had a pretty good day yesterday. Bianca Andrescu. Who has no clue what I'm talking about? A lot of you, right? Well, something happened this year with the Toronto Raptors. Canada won a title. And all of a sudden, we've got a young 19-year-old the same age as my kid, who wins the U.S. Open yesterday, the first Canadian in history to do so. I don't read into all this stuff on sports and stuff, but I love it. But I believe this. Something is opening up for Canada. In every single area. I believe it. I believe these are just signs of what's about to open up in our nation and even in our city right here in front of you, Spruce Grove that God has got big plans, right? Even Michael this morning to me, this is a sign of what God wants to do. He wants to break us past our fears, right? Are you ready for this? Hold on. We, what did we talk about? We talked about fears in the worship. We talked about boldness and all this stuff, right? I wrote something down today. I'm not going to sing this, and I'm not going to make you sing it, Ken. Maybe I'll make Miranda sing it, Right? But as I was preparing, I think this is so funny how this works out. I had this song come into my head that I haven't sang in, I don't know, 15 to 20 years. Okay, now, you guys need to help. Come here, Miranda. I can put Miranda on the spot because we are friends. All right? I have known her a long time. All right. Let's see if you grab a mic. You'll figure this out. Come on. You're going to help our church go through this because you're going to sing this. And I'm going to sing it off the mic. I think you can do this. I'm hoping you can do this. <sighs> yeah. We don't want to clear the building out yet. All right. Now, I hope you know this song. If you don't, Ken's going to have to come up here, but I don't know if he will. Right? Okay. You ready? Be bold. Be strong. For... The Lord thy God is with thee. Be bold. Be strong. For the Lord thy God is with thee. I'm walking in. Afraid. No, no. 
I am not dismayed, no, no, because I'm walking in faith and victory. Come on, walking in faith and victory for the Lord thy God is with thee. Hey, yeah, keep going. Be strong. For the Lord thy God is with thee. Be bold. Be strong. For the Lord thy God is with thee. No, no, no. No, no, no. Walking in faith and victory. Come and walk in faith and victory. For the Lord thy God is with thee. Did you hear me singing? I sang on the mic, so Michael, I too have conquered one of my fears, right? Singing on this silly mic, right? Was What? I could hear myself. You could hear me. How did I do? That was good. Awesome. Thank you. Liars. Lying is a sin. No, 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 no. I think I did good there too. I felt good. You can't. I used to like you. And I have to go to work with you on Tuesday? Come on. Well, so I thought that was interesting. And then, you know, my title uh, for this, I always like having titles, was a call back into the pursuit of our destiny. And I put right underneath that, walking into our destiny with boldness. Because I feel just like this little example that Michael did this morning is what God actually wants to speak to every single one of you today, right? Is he actually has a calling inside of every single one of you in this house. And he's saying, the days of fear are behind you. And it's time to go forward in the destiny that God has placed in front of every single one of you in this church. Do we agree with that? It is time for us to walk in the destiny that God has for us. And I believe with all of my heart that this is the season he wants to do it. You know, I I know this isn't the new year, right? I know the new year is in January, but I often see September as the new year, right? All our kids are going back to school. You know, most of you are back in church, you know, Stuff like that. You're not camping on your holidays, all that stuff, right? And I often look at September, even as a church, right? We don't do all our programming in the summer and all that stuff. We do it all again in September, right? And I feel that this year, more than any other year, God is saying to each and every one of us, it's time. It's, it's time to take the steps that Michael just took in our own journey, because I know for a fact that God has a purpose and a plan for every single one of you in this room. And so I, I was just kind of reading through the word this week, and he actually laid an old story on my mind, which I'm actually going to go through today because I just think it's absolutely powerful, right? And we're actually going to get into the story in, uh, I'm actually going to test you guys, First Samuel chapter 17. 
one of the most famous stories in the Bible that comes out of 1 Samuel 17 is David and... Okay, just making sure we're on the same page here, all right? David and Goliath. So I want to get into that today. But for, before I do that, I, I feel like in this season, one of the things that God has been saying is this. He's telling me this, and I believe it's, uh, you know, more than for just me. I think he's telling the body this. And I, I keep hearing him say this, it's, it's time to get ready. It's time to get ready. It's time to get ready. And so as I began just to dive into the word, and I, I started to ask the Lord, well, what are we exactly getting ready for, right? Because I'm that kind of person, right? I'm not going to get ready for something unless I know what it is because I might not want to go, right? <laughs> and so it's important for me that I know what are we getting ready for. And the Lord said, you should have been getting ready a long time ago, a long time ago. And if you don't know what you're getting ready for, there's some problems, right? And I started just going through this, and, I, and I'm only going to give us three little things, but I felt like the Lord reminded me of uh, in 2 Timothy 4.2. This is pretty powerful when Paul is talking to Timothy, right? He's talking to Timothy, and and do we remember Timothy was timid, right? And he had fears. This is what we're talking about today. But there's a powerful scripture in there, and it says this. It's uh, 2 Timothy 4.2. He says, I charge you therefore before God, and the Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and kingdom come. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. And he's actually commissioning him here, right? He is commissioning him, and at the same time, he is challenging his fears. And I felt like the Lord said, this is just one thing you need to get ready to do, Right? We need to be ready to always have an answer. There are always going to be situations that arise in front of us. It doesn't matter if we're at church, we're at work, we're selling a house. It doesn't matter if we're at school, wherever we are. God is actually telling us, you need to be ready. Which means this. He wants us to get the word of God inside of us. We're in a season where we actually have to do this. How many struggle, like, just being honest, sometimes, is it hard to read the Bible? Right? It is. Right? There's a reason for that. But we're in a season, and I believe the Lord is saying this, you're going to have to push through that struggle. You're going to have to fight through that struggle. And one of the best ways I can share this is this. Again, it always goes to working out or anything. Right? How many of you want to work out? Let's see, how many want to? That's the question. How many want to? Okay, how many of you do work out? What? Okay, that kind of backfired, right? That's just weird. More of you work out than want to. So you're working out and you don't want to. That's, that's just bizarre. Okay, it is powerful. That just threw out that illustration. We'll just chuck that out, right? But there's something behind this, right? I don't want to work out. But I know in order to actually get to the place I want to, I have to start somewhere. And I have to condition myself. And I have to shift it. And I felt like the Lord said, we, we can't be playing around with this stuff. Like some of this, you know, I think Kim talked about it last week. Like this is the stuff for the infants and that. This is something we need to get and we need to be actually operating in continuously every day. You know, and the second thing in there was this, right? Matthew 24, 44. He's saying, you need to be ready for the return of the Lord. I am coming back for my people. And no one knows the time or the hour. So why wouldn't you be ready every moment of every day? 
right? There's something in there. And it's like, you're right, God. Why wouldn't I be ready? Do I not believe it? What is it? Think about this. If you knew for a fact the Lord was coming tomorrow, what would you do? I mean, you'd be cleaning out your house fast, right? I mean, everything that wasn't right in your life, I mean, it would be taken care of absolutely immediately, right? We don't know the time or the hour, and he's telling us, you know, this is how we actually are to live every day, with a fear of the Lord, right? A fear of the Lord every single day, living as if he's coming today and tomorrow. And the third thing was this. It's in 1 Peter 5, 8. It says, be sober-minded, be watchful or vigilant. Now, if you read that word, it also means to be ready. Why? Because your adversary, the devil prowls around like a warring lion seeking someone to destroy. I've talked about this before. The enemy doesn't take time off, ever. He's 24-7, all the time. And so, when I hear the Lord saying this, you need to be ready because he's ready. Every moment of every day, he's ready. He's ready and he's on attack. And so something inside of us has to push past that very thing that doesn't want us to get ready. Right? There is something in there. Right? And I'm going to talk about that in a minute. And I feel like the Lord's saying, this is important because I'm actually going to be doing some powerful things. Right? I I want to use you in your destiny. But in order to use you fully in your destiny, you need to be ready. And if you're not ready, we're in trouble, right? So I wanted to share two stories with you. Is that video going to work? It is? Okay. This is a kind of an embarrassing video. Uh, don't show it yet. I'll tell you when I want you to actually push play. Perfect. That's perfect. So I can tell you a little bit about this. This is just about being ready. Um, again, I've told you guys I, I have a redneck family, right? And I love my redneck family with all of my heart. But sometimes they frustrate me. Right? I'm just going to be honest with you, right? And so uh, probably about a week and a half ago, uh, on Sunday I wasn't here, and I actually went fishing with my family. And so I was with my stepdad and my sister and uh, my brother-in-law and his dad. And we decided to go out to Lac St. Anne, and we wanted to get some uh, walleye fish because we had some tags. And so uh, we uh, drove all the way out there. We had all of our stuff of course, we had our boat, our oars, our life jackets. We had our food. We had our fishing rods. We had all those things we needed. We had our electric motors. We had our battery. We had everything we needed. And so we get there, and uh, we get our boats into the water and stuff like that. Now, I, again, anybody fished in here? Any, who are the fisher people? The fishermen? Some of you, right? You know, electric motor. I mean, I can go faster than an electric motor in my kayak, but, you know, it, it's still... It still works, right? And so we had these two electric motors on two boats. And so we wanted to get to a certain part of the lake that Gavin has actually introduced me to. And me and Gavin went there probably a couple months ago, and we caught like 54 walleye, right, in a couple hours. It was excellent. And so I told my parents all about the special place that my friend Gavin had told me about. And so we slowly made our way in an electric boat, which Gavin will understand. It takes a long time right? And we get there, and on this day, there are probably three or four foot swells, right? And I'm like, oh, this is going to be a little bit interesting. So we kind of went into this little cove, and we're fishing away, and nothing for about an hour and a half or so, right? 
And so we're realizing the area we're in, it, it's just getting too choppy. The boat's all over the place. We're like, maybe we should go back a little bit or get into a cove. And so we start to move around a little bit. And we're looking, nothing, no, no fish, no fish, no fish. And then all of a sudden we start going back a little bit. And then, boom, we get a fish. Boom, we get a fish. And we're like, oh, we found our spot. And so we decided to throw our anchor in, right? But it was so windy at that time, and the water was moving that we noticed, you know, we had this little spot, and we'd go there, put our anchor in and fish, and we caught five, six, pickerel, bunch, bunch of pike. And then all of a sudden we noticed, though, that still we ended up way back here, and we got out of the little fishing hole. So for probably an hour straight, all we kept doing is pulling the anchor out. We would use our electric motor, go right back. We'd do the same thing, catch some more fish. We probably did it five times. And on the fifth time, my stepdad says to me, pull up the anchor. I said, all right. And I pulled up the anchor. And he starts the boat to go forward. And I'm looking over, and I realize something. We're not going forward, right? We're actually going backwards a little bit. And I'm like, what's going on here? And he's like, I don't know. What's going on? He's like, "Uh, uh, maybe I didn't charge the battery. (laughs) Right? I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, I, I don't think I charged the battery. And at this time, actually, my brother-in-law and his dad were gone. They went away because uh, the waves were so high. Uh, his dad doesn't know how to swim, so he didn't want to be there, right? So he went to a different spot. And my stepdad doesn't know how to swim, too, so this is quite funny, right? <laughs> I know, these two older guys in the boats who don't know how to swim and just don't have everything together, both rednecks, right? And so, I mean, we're two rednecks, though, or three rednecks. We said, well, who cares? We're catching fish. What's the big deal, right? So we stayed there for another 45 minutes catching more fish, going back and forth. And honestly, I saw somebody doing it here. It was exactly what you said. It was like, let's paddle back to the good spot, right? So we had a little bit of power with the motor and then the paddling with me and my sister. We get some more fish, and then we realize it's time to go home because we're getting four-foot swells, right? And so we're like, well, I, we better phone them and see if they can come get us. And so I phone them up on the phone and say, can you come and tow us back? Right? And they're like, we have an electric motor. <laughs> they're four-foot swells. Right? And then eventually, I, I knew they had a gas motor. And I said, well, try to start your gas motor. It was three years since they started it. Now, thank the Lord, they went back and they started it. But do we have the video? Okay, let's just show this. This is my redneck family. And this is our fishing trip. All right, that's good. That was an awesome fishing experience. What you don't see there is what I chose to do is I took the rope and I put it around my body because if we were about to flip, I wanted to let it go. I didn't want to tie it to the boat. And as we were driving, right, and the waves were getting bigger and bigger, I was soaked from here down. So I decided to sit down in the boat without realizing that already it had a ton of water in it and all the fish we got were floating and I was sitting on the fish. It was the most disgusting moment of my life, right? It took us a long time to get back, and I got back, and I looked at my stepdad, and I said, next time you need to be ready. Charge the battery, right? And I realized when you're not ready, guess what? There are consequences. Things are going to happen when you're not ready. And so then I came home, and this has been a kind of a bad week. You know, I, I get home, and... Uh, uh, I decide uh, to go and play some pickleball with our MLA here, Searle Turton. And I went and played eight games, and I hurt my back, right? And so I thought, well, you know, I'm going to take it easy this week. And then good old, is Tyson in here? Tyson Lolly's upstairs. Well, Tyson always plans his Labor Day football game, which happened last Monday, right, Jeremy? Right? And I've gone every year for I don't know how long. As long as they've been going on, Right? And I decided to be the 
wise man who said, Tyson, I'm not coming this year, right? First time I missed it. Now, I heard you went, right? Uh, how'd you do? You did pretty good. I'm jealous, man. My days are over, right? My football days are over. So I didn't do this, and I decided to stay home. But then our wonderful friend, Kim Wheeler, phoned me up, right? And Kim Wheeler said, Chris, you need to come over. I'm like, why? And he says, I want to work out with you. And I said, oh, I'm working out with Kim Wheeler. That should be pretty easy. I said, what are we going to do? Right? He's like, oh, we're just going to do some cardio and stuff. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I've got 10 years on him. This should be no problem at all, right? And so I decide to go to Kim's house, and I get to Kim's house. And I'm thinking we're going to be doing, I don't know, just some running, go for a jog, do this. And he says, come to my backyard. And I'm like, okay. I come to his backyard, and I'm like, what is this? He's got like a mini Spartan obstacle race thing set up, right? And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, he's got those ropes, you know, you do these things. Yeah, they're not easy, are they? They're actually really, 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 really hard. I thought that was going to be easy. That was one of the hardest. And then he's got these massive tractor tires that he wants you to flip, right? Then he's got these bars on the tree all the way up so you can climb up, and then he wants you to do chin-ups and stuff, right? And I'm looking at us going, I might be able to do that one. I might be able to do this one. And then I look over, and he's got these, I don't know, they're probably four-foot-long wood stumps like this. Massive, big, and heavy. And I'm like, what are we doing with those? He's like, oh, we're going to flip those too. And I'm just thinking in my head, this is not a good idea, man. I already hurt my back. I shouldn't do this. And then Kim says this, and we're going to have a race, right? (laughs) I don't know if any of you know me, but I'm a, bit, I'm a bit of a competitive guy, right? Yeah, there you go, right? And so I thought, well, how bad can it be? Let's just go through this and see what happens, right? And so, of course, you know, we start doing this thing there, right? And I'm like, like, Kim's doing it for a minute and a half. 30 seconds in, I want to quit. I'm like, this is insane. Like, I just don't do this stuff. You know, and then we're doing these jumps, and then he's got me flipping the tire, and then he's got me climbing up the tree, And I'm realizing I'm dying on the inside. And then he brings me up to the log flipping. And he's like, are you ready? Because it's on right now. I'm going to beat you. Right? He's like, three, two, one, go! Right? And he's going as fast as he can. And I'm like, who is this guy? (laughs) Right? Like, I mean, he's motoring. He's, I'm like, he's strong. He's fast. I'm like, and I got, he's got 10 years. I got 10 years on him. Right? So I started flipping this thing, and I made it all the way there, all the way back, and then he wanted to go back again. I flipped it twice, and boom, there goes my back. Just tweaks, right? And I could hardly move for two days. Ended up, ended up in physio, getting IMS and all this stuff, and I thank my IMS guy because I feel way better. But again, it was another one of those things. The Lord told me this right away. He said, this, this is your faith, though. Like, you, you get this in these types of things, but do you not get this with your faith. Do you not understand this? That if you're not fully ready, there's always a consequence. And I can guarantee you this. It always ends up with somebody getting hurt. It doesn't feel good. Something's out. Something's wrong. Something has to shift. Right? Something has to change in this part of our journey. For our spiritual health personally, but for our communities, for our nation, and for this world. Something has to shift. And so I just started asking the Lord, what is the thing that stops us? Like, what is the big thing that gets in the way? And it's one word, apathy. 
And I felt like the Lord just said, Chris, you need to break off the spirit of apathy. We all know it. We've all experienced it, right? I mean, when it comes to working out, I tell myself every Monday I'm going to work out. By Friday, I'm still deciding whether I'm going to work out, right? The chores around the house that Jen has given me. (laughs) There are many of them. (laughs) Oh, kind of, come on, right? Oh, it's kind of true. I put the list down. Well, I still have things from a year ago on my list, right? You know, I know we do, like, we protect, what's the word? Procrastinate, thank you. But it really comes down to the spirit of apathy, right? And in our faith, this spirit of apathy, for some reason, right, like, I somehow have convinced myself it's not a bad thing, right? So I did a little bit of reading up on the apathy thing, right? And, and, uh, and it, this is what it comes down to. It's an I don't care attitude filled with a spiritual la- laziness, skepticism, and a resistance to move forward. Its goal in life is to find the comfort zone. That's an interesting statement, right? I don't want to be comfortable in my faith anymore. I've got to be honest with you. I just don't want to be comfortable in my faith anymore. I want it to shift. I want it to change. I want stories. I want testimonies. I want something to flip. And so I want to read a story to you. Because I think it's powerful. And this takes us back quite a ways. Back into Samuel, 1 Samuel, uh, Samuel, Samuel 17. This is the story of David and Goliath. Now, you guys okay if we read this? Right? Because there's some little nuggets in here that I just want us to grab hold of. Uh, so I'm going to probably read most of uh, chapter 17. I may skip a few parts. But we know, we know most of the story here. We know David actually isn't involved in the battle per se. He's at home and he's helping his dad, right, around the house. He's helping him with the farm and all that kind of stuff. And every once in a while, though, he would get these tasks of going and uh, bringing things to his brothers, right? And then he would be doing some work for Saul, too, in the middle of the battle. And so it's interesting because we know this battle is going on. And so I just want to pick it up in, in verse 4 because we know the battle's getting set and all that stuff. And in verse 4 it says, And a champion went out from the camp of Philistines named Goliath from Gath whose height was six cubits, six cubits and a span. They say nine feet, right? Then I'm going to skip down a little bit here. Tells a little bit more about him. But verse 8 says, uh, well, we'll go verse 7. It says, now the staff and the spear was like a weaver beam, and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels, and the shield bearer went before him. Then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel. This is Goliath. And he said to them, why have you come out to line up for battle. Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down and face me. Says the nine-foot guy, right? Think about that. I thought that was an interesting statement right there. The nine-foot guy is the one coming out to the front, challenging everybody to the fight. Doesn't take a lot of faith for that one, right? He's bigger than every single one of them, right? Walking in here, I'll challenge any of you. Oh. There's no faith behind that one, right? It's not a hard one for Goliath. As we keep going, though, it says, If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, 
Then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the, of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Of course they were. Now David was the son of the, okay, help me here, Aphrodite? That one, all right, of Bethlehem, Judea, whose name was Jesse, and who had eight sons. And the man was old, advanced in years, in the days of, uh, in the days of Saul. The three oldest sons of Jesse had gone to follow Saul to the battle. The name of the three sons who went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn, next to him, help me, Curtis, Abinadad, and the third, Shammah, Shammah, okay? David was the youngest, and the three oldest followed Saul. But David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And the Philistines drew near and presented himself forty days, morning and evening. Then Jesse said to his son David, Take now your brothers and Etham and this dried grain and these ten loaves and run to your brothers at the camp and carry these ten cheeses to the captain of their thousands and see how your brothers fare and bring back news of them. Now Saul and they... uh, Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah, fighting with the Philistines. So David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with the keeper, and took the things and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the camp as the army was going out to fight and shouting for for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in battle array, army against army, and David left his supplies in the hands of Uh, of the supply keeper, ran to the army and came and greeted his brothers. Then, as he talked with them, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming coming up from the armies of the Philistines, and he spoke according to the same words. So David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the men, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. So the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king, will enrich with great riches, will kill him, his daughter, and give his father's father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. Verse 26. This is one I want you to highlight. It says, Then David spoke to the man who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? I just love that statement. Right? I mean, he's coming into this right away. There's no fear. Who is this guy? Who does he think he is? I know who my God is. What does he think he's doing? Right? And the people answered him in this manner, saying, So shall it be done for the man who kills him. Now Elib, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. And and Elib's anger was aroused against David. And he said, Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, "Uh, What have I done now? Is there not a cause? 
Then he turned from him towards another and said the same thing. And these people answered him uh, as the first ones did. Now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul, and he sent for him. Then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servants will go and fight this Philistine. Right? I, I mean, this is a powerful statement. I'll do it. Right? What's the problem? I'll do it. It's a big deal. I mean, we're watching the armies all in fear of this man. And here comes David. I'll do it. What's the problem, right? Just find where I was there. 33. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it, ro- when it ro- arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. I'm like, can you imagine this? Like, when I read this, I'm like, he's fighting lions and bears and stuff, you know? We're worried about coyotes and stuff coming into our fields, and this guy's dealing with lions and bears. He's not too worried about Goliath. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord will be with you. So Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put a bronze helmet on his head, and he clothed him with a coat of, coat, coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk. For he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk in these things, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from a brook. And he put them in the shepherd's bag, in a pouch which he had. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David. And the man who bore the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his, God, by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the fields. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of armies of Israel, who you have defied. That's a powerful statement, right? That's another one we need to grab a hold of. Sometimes it looks overwhelming. I mean, you really got to picture this situation. But once again, David, he doesn't even entertain it. He said, I don't care what you're wearing. It don't matter what you have. I don't care how big your sword is, how big your javelin is. I know who's coming with me. In fact, this battle's already done, right? That kind of boldness, that kind of braveness, no fear, something about that. 
This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give you the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear and spear, but for the battle is the Lord's, and He will give it into your hands. That's powerful for us to understand again, right? It's really trying to speak to our hearts here about understanding how the Lord actually equips us for battle, and it's not always the way we think it should be. So it was when the Philistines arose and came and drew near to meet David uh, that David hurried and ran towards the army to meet the Philistines. Do you hear that again? I want to read that one part to you. David hurried and ran towards the army to meet the Philistines. He didn't walk into it. He didn't crawl into it. He ran into it, right? He was ready. Then David put his hands on his bag and took out a stone, and he slung it and struck the Philistine in the forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine, took the sword and drew it out of his sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. And as the story goes on, we know they begin to run and he begins to destroy and kill him and all this stuff. But this, this is a powerful thing for us to understand. Michael tapped into something here again. There is a boldness that God wants to place on the body of Christ. This no fear attitude anymore. And when we are actually fully engaged with the Lord, Fully ready, fully prepared, meaning we're fully diving into his word. In fact, the word of God is what we eat and breathe. The word of God is the very thing when every situation arises, we use the word of God to declare truth, just like Jesus did in the wilderness. We have nothing to fear. But we need to understand the word of God and place it in our heart. And God is saying, for this season, for such a time as this, The body of Christ cannot do this if they are not ready. It's not a game. This is real life. And he reminds us, you have an enemy. He is sneaking around. And he's always looking for a way in. And as soon as that apathy kicks in, as soon as you think, oh, I can just rest a little bit here, that's when he slides in. In fact, he has slid in this, in this very area. Oh, it's okay. Find that comfort zone. This is nice. I like those comfort places. I like them so much. But God then asked me the question, is this all you want, though? No! What do you want? I want to see the nations changed. I want to see our city changed. I want to see people in our church free, delivered from bondage, from sin. I want to see transformation. I want to see your schools transformed for the Lord. I want to see the young people in our communities, the young adults in our communities, not living for the things of the world, not getting so easily entangled 
and these little lies and these deceptions that the enemy throws in front of us. He does it every single day. He's doing it today. He's already started the process. And this is where the Lord is saying, my people, get ready. Get ready. Not tomorrow, not on Friday. Get ready today. Get ready today. So why don't we stand to our feet? I know we're past our time. I want to pray a prayer over you guys. It's out of Ephesians 5, 16 to 21. And it says this. Three. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ for a boldness to come over your church. God, I pray that in these days that we will know who we are as sons and daughters of the Most High King. And in fact, you have already given us the weapons we need. We don't need any other weapons. They are in our hands. And you're telling us, don't look at your enemy. Don't look at what he's wearing. Look what I've already given you. I have given you everything you need for every single battle you're in. In fact, I've given you more than you need. And it's time today to realize that's the truth. That apathy is not your friend. I'm your friend. And I choose you. And I choose you to change this world. I choose you to be the hands and the feet. I choose you to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to every man, woman, and child. I choose you to bring freedom to them. I choose you to bring deliverance to them. I'm asking you as the body of Christ to be ready because now is the time we can't wait anymore because his children are dying, and he doesn't want that. So God, right now, fill us with that boldness. Fill us with that faith, God, that comes from you and comes from taking those necessary steps. And Father, on this day, I pray a blessing over every single one of your sons and daughters in this place. The season is now. The time is now. Go and be about the business of the Lord. So I pray a blessing on each and every one of you. Amen. Bless you and have a good weekend.